0: This is Unbeaten here on WMUA 91.1 FM. We got a great show, so let's get things started. What is up everybody and welcome back into the show. You know the deal, another Tuesday morning, 11 o'clock, and we're talking sports. Part of WMUA Sports Block here on WMUA-FM. So, a lot of stuff happening over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, college and NFL football time. I want to focus a little bit on college football, specifically just because there were a lot of cool games. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, that was sort of an upset game. And then you had, I believe it went into six or seven. I think it was seven overtimes. The game featuring LSU and Texas A&M. Texas A&M ended up winning the game, seventy-four to seventy-two. Sounds like a basketball score right there, especially for college. Um, kind of insane. Texas A&M was ranked twenty-two. The Tigers ranked seven. Went seven overtimes just to confirm that. That's insane. Um, I guess people said that LSU had. I only watched really the fourth quarter and then all of the overtimes, but I guess that LSU had pretty. Or they got, you know, the poor end of the stick. Today is Tuesday, November 27th. I guess Uh, the officiating crew was. I uh, didn't give the Tigers the benefit of the doubt with a lot of calls, and it was exciting though because just just looking at all the overtimes now, um, seven 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 eight three six eight six, and then in the last overtime frame, the Tigers scored six, and then A uh, and M was able to convert on the two point conversion, uh, giving them the win. So. So 74, 72. That was just such an exciting game because, you know, of all those overtimes, the stats are like incredibly inflated, which is cool because um, just looking at like Kellen Mond had 287 yards, six touchdowns for AM. Uh, Burrow had 270 yards, three touchdowns. So it was, that was, that was a really, interesting game to watch it was a lot of fun I thought it's probably honestly it might be the game of the year so far and then Ohio State Michigan I was watching some of that game and Michigan was just shooting themselves in the foot I mean Michigan who was ranked fourth and the Buckeyes were ranked 10th Michigan you know had been so has been so dominant all year and then out of nowhere you know, the Buckeyes were just taking advantage of all of Michigan's mistakes. They were making really just really terrible mistakes, turning over the ball a lot. Um, it was, they kept it a little, they kept it somewhat close at the beginning of the game. Uh, like at the end of the first half, it was 17-16 Buckeyes. And then the Buckeyes just put up 17 unanswered points in the third. And then, you know, the Michigan tried to get back in it in the fourth, but by that time the game was pretty much already over. So the Buckeyes will move to 11 and one after that win over uh, Michigan, they're most likely going to uh, you know drop their their seed number is gonna drop pretty significantly, uh, which is good for them. And then Michigan's seed is they're probably gonna well, they'll definitely lose their four seed. Um, so as we get closer and closer to the college football playoff, you know it's important that those teams with, you know the, the undefeated records or the one the one uh, game losses. You know, essentially teams are just trying to the, to build their resume as one of the best four teams in college football this year, which is insanely hard to do in Division One um, championship series. So. Uh, What else? I guess we'll just look over some stats for the uh, Michigan-Ohio uh, State game. Ohio State, ha- uh, Haskins had 396 yards, 6 touchdowns. That is insane. Um, Shea Patterson had 187 yards and 3 touchdowns. And Michigan used a few other quarterbacks too, including Milton and Peters. But yeah, I I just thought it was it was a good week for college football. I'm not like a huge college football fan, but for what it's worth, you know, it was a lot of fun to to just watch those games. I didn't, you know, I watched a little bit of the Patriots game on Sunday. If we want to transition a little bit into the NFL, uh which it was sort of the textbook Patriots Jets game. Nothing. You know, I'm surprised they didn't they didn't blow out the Jets. Just considering that, you know, Josh McCowan was starting for them. Uh, McCowan still racked up 276 yards and a touchdown. He had an interception. Uh, Brady threw 283 for two touchdowns, and the final score ended up being 27 to 13. I'm guessing most of you in this region watched the game. Uh, it was it was hard to believe that the Jets actually were tied with the Patriots at the half, and then. You know, the Patriots were able to pull away from there, um, you know, besting them 10-3 to 3 in the third, and then seven un- unanswered points uh, from the Jets in the fourth, making it 27-13 to as the final score. But, yeah, I mean, Sony Michel had a really, really good game. I was impressed with everything he brought to the table, 133 yards and one touchdown. He's such a unique running back. Um, James White, too, honestly. James White, 73 yards or 9. Well, that's actually is rushing. James White also had uh, 5 receiving yards as well. But quarter-all Patterson, we're seeing more and more, more and more carries that he's getting. He got 5 carries for 10 yards. He also got 1 reception, which he got negative 1 yards. But Julian Edelman sort of, you know, back and I mean the the receiving core is more of a spread the wealth system anyway I mean there's one two three four five six seven eight players that got receptions and they're all pretty evenly distributed Julian Edelman four receptions Josh Gordon five uh Gronkowski three Hogan two Michelle two Dorsett two I mean, it's crazy to think that Chris Hogan's only getting two receptions a game. I mean, thankfully, in total, he had, you know, he averaged, or I'll say this, he averaged 23.5 uh, per reception per catch. But um, you know, you'd like to see somebody like Chris Hogan get a little bit more receptions. Uh, the only receiving touchdowns on the day came from Edelman and Gronkowski. Uh, Sony Michelle had the rushing touchdown. And, you know, Patrick Chung had seven tackles, assisted in six. Van Noy had five. McCourty had four. Harmon had four. So the defense probably could have had a better performance. But, you know, nevertheless, I guess you can't really complain. James Devlin had a kick return for 15 yards. Um, I didn't realize that. Or that must have been. I wonder what that was. I was not watching the game for that. Don't know what that is. James Devlin, 15 yard kick return. Um Julian Edelman punting punt returns. Uh Gostowski hit two for two in terms of field goals. Longest 34 of the day. That's about all. I don't know. They played at Met Life, I believe. So looking ahead for the Patriots. Um, they will be hosting the Vikings next week. That will be a somewhat difficult game, I think, just in terms of you know what the Patriots are working with in you know with their defense right now. The Dolphins uh, will be next. They will go down to Miami and then they will go down to Pittsburgh, which will also be difficult. and then they'll finish off the season hosting the bills and then the Jets. So, I think the only games you really have to worry about would probably be Vikings-Steelers, and then the rest of it is just finishing off, you know, the AFC East, the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Jets. And, I mean, one, two, three, three of the games are, that are left on the schedule will be played at Gillette. So, I think really the only game you have to worry about is the game in Pittsburgh. On the sixteenth of December, um, yeah. I mean, other than that, I think they're in pretty good shape right now, standing at eight and three. You know, that, I think that's exactly where you want to be in terms of, you know, I mean, there are uh, a few of their losses this year have been questionable. I don't think it's anything to worry about. It's still so early. Um, nothing, nothing to really speculate on white yet. I mean, maybe some takeaways, but I mean, Sony Michel, I'll just say that Sony Michel, probably the best game of his, you know, not that he's had a long career. It's only been a, you know, this is his rookie season, but clearly the best game of his career so far. I think that, you know, you're going to want to keep an eye on him. Just such a such a unique back. Really kind of a steal in the draft, honestly, too. He, you know, went Way later than anyone expected him to go, and it was a good thing that Belichick snagged him up uh, while he was still on the board. And you know I think Gronkowski's touchdown against the Jets. I think that's also I think that's a, a sign of good good things to come from him. I know that you know there's there's been things that have gotten in the way of you know him being on the field, whether it be his back or his arm. Or anything else that could possibly, you know, give him trouble. So all in all, probably still a little too early to, like I said, speculate, predict anything uh, moving forward. All we know as of now is that when we look at the standings, you want to be a li- <clears throat> excuse me a little bit concerned, not overly concerned, but you know, obviously, Patriots. Running away with the AFC East, I think the only thing you have to worry about are the chiefs that stand at nine and two. I mean now that we're eight and three we're only really a game behind them when you think about it, but you know a, a couple of weeks ago that was a major concern was uh, will we even get home field advantage now I think that I mean the Steelers play tonight which that'll be interesting because they're at seven and three, and you don't want them to win tonight because you know, then they're essentially tied with the Patriots in terms of record. Um, as of now, it looks like the Patriots will most likely, you know, lock up uh, a two seed. It'd be pretty. It'd be pretty amazing if they were able to lock up the one seed, but as of now, the two seed. I think that's a reasonable goal for them to shoot for at this point. So that's all I really have to say about the Patriots. Uh, We talked college football a little bit earlier. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will continue the show, continue the second half. Um, So stay tuned right here on WMUA, 91.1 FM. This is the Unbeaten Show. This is WMUA Sports. Show your UMass pride everywhere you go with a UMass Amherst special license plate. All proceeds benefit student scholarships and programs, and the special plate fee is tax deductible. Get all the details and order your plate at UMassAlumni.com or call 800-456-UMASS. Remember to ride with UMass Pride. Hi, this is Coolio. I have it, you have it, we all have it. It's called blood. And every three seconds, someone needs blood. Each year, four million people need blood transfusions. You can help by becoming a blood donor. It's fast, simple, and safe. One donation from you can save up to three lives. Be a lifesaver. Call one 866 from you. That's 1-866-376-6968. Toll free to find out where you can donate and save a life today. You're listening to UMass Athletics on WMUA Sports. And welcome back, everybody, into the studio. My name is Ryan Beaton. This is The Unbeaten Show here on WMUA, 91.1 FM. Uh, earlier, we talked a little bit about football. We talked college football. And then we moved on to a little bit of some Patriots talk. I want to focus the second half of this show on UMass athletics. I know we usually we try to cut out a good period of time for UMass uh, Sports on this program. As you know, the past week was Thanksgiving, so the episode I recorded for that week didn't really relate to UMass Sports simply be, uh, simply because we were on break. There wasn't a whole lot to cover. The week before that uh, was probably a little bit difficult as well. And then, even now, uh, I wasn't able to go to any media availability due to just simply being away from campus, being away from the team. So, you know, breaks like Thanksgiving sort of mess with our sports reporting a little bit here at the radio station. But the good news is, I think I said this maybe last show, is that we're going to be able to do a coaches uh, coach's show for women's basketball, most likely. We're going to get some players on there. Uh, so you guys are going to get some really great coverage, uh, some inside coverage for, uh, or of, I should say, the women's basketball team. So that's going to be a good thing. Um, what I want to touch upon right now real quick is hockey. Hockey now is ranked number three in the nation, dropping from their previous number four slot. So UMass Hockey is the third best college hockey team in the nation hockey I mean college hockey runs through Amherst right now I I I can't believe it it's one of the more exciting things that's happened to me honestly and I'm not even it's like I'm not even I don't play for the team I'm not really associated with the team in any way besides the fact that I'm a student here I'm a fan of the team I support the team and it's one of the more exciting things that's happened to me since coming to this school UMass um you know, just having a program, you mean will always sort of look at those, those big name brand schools, um, specifically like football and basketball. You could say like Alabama for football. You could say Duke for basketball. So many of those applicants are drawn in. Like so many of those applicants, the kids that apply to those schools are drawn in, sometimes solely because of the athletic programs that have been built there. And... Granted, here, hockey has only been dominant for pretty much a year. It's still just insane to think that we're that relevant in a sport, like covering the entire country. It's, it's hard to put it into words, but when you think about it, like if the football team were ranked three right now, we'd probably be like, in consideration for the up-and-coming college football playoff. Like, that that's insane. I know hockey, a little less popular than football. Okay, like, a lot less popular than football, especially at the college level. But still, ranked number three in the country, 11-1, and and then undefeated in Hockey East, one of the more premier hockey divisions in all of, you know, college hockey. You got some of the more. I mean, Hockey East just churns out NH- NHL players. You look at, you know, Eichel, McAvoy, some of some of, you know, the, the the. I mean, the list could go on and on. The list could go on and on. And we're now gonna UMass is gonna have their own. You know, soon to be NHL stars. They're gonna start forming their own list. I mean, we've already had. UMass has already had players like Jonathan Quick and Connor Sheary come out of UMass, but now you look at Kale McCarr, Mario Ferrero, John Leonard. They're all, you know, Ivan Chukarov. You look at some of these guys, and they're all, you know, at least drafted, potentially going into the NHL, uh, potentially having successful careers in the NHL. I couldn't imagine that. Kale wouldn't have. <clears throat> He's probably the most likely to have an exciting NHL career, and I think that's another reason why students have started attending these games. They realize that this is a kid that's probably gonna be profession, gonna be very very good professionally. He's gonna be on our TVs like in one, two, three, four years, being you know pretty dominant at the highest level offered, and we get to see him pretty much for free at the expense of walking half a mile to the Mullen Center from our dorms or our off-campus apartments. So, I I mean, it's... You can see very high-quality hockey at a very... I mean, you—you when you think of hockey, you think New England, you think Boston... Boston has the Beanpot. Boston has BU, BC, Northeastern. Then you think maybe Lowell, where UMass, Lowell has been dominant for years. But now, it's almost like you look at Western Mass, you don't think of it as an epicenter for college hockey. But I mean, it certainly is now. You never would have. It's never been necessarily a overly successful team. I mean, it's, three is their lowest or highest, however you want to put that into perspective. They've never been ranked three in the country ever before. It's their best rating ever. So in program history, they've never had this much success. And now they're sort of putting Amherst on the map, kind of like the, the 96, 94, 95, 96 UMass basketball team did. I mean, who knew that that team would end up going to the Final Four for basketball? Now it's like UMass has a shot to go to the Frozen Four. I mean, you would think that they would make tournament if they keep the success up, which they haven't wavered at all yet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's exciting. It's certainly, I don't, it's, it's hard to put into perspective if you're not watching it up close and personal, I could see how maybe somebody outside of this community wouldn't get the hype around the team. But I mean if you're if you're in Western Mass, you're in the Amherst area, you even follow Hockey East, you'll know that something very special is happening here. So you're gonna wanna definitely keep your eyes on this hockey team and you know, stay tuned for good things to come. So that being said, we're gonna transition a little bit uh, for the last s- seven minutes or so onto women's basketball. Uh, women's basketball now five and two. They have not played any A-10 games yet. Um, the <clears throat> excuse me, the UMass Dartmouth exhibition is not included in that record. I was at that game. That was the first, uh, you know, I guess first game of the season technically. Uh, they won that game 109 51 and then moving into the official season Sacred Heart was their first regular season game and they won that game it looks like 78 to 61 then they really just didn't perform that well against Towson, losing 78 to 53 Central Connecticut they were able to win I know Central Connecticut has another thousand point uh, scorer seven. They're, they have another girl that has scored a thousand points um, which and Lidell has now since gotten a thousand points we'll touch upon that in a second um, so they won that game 74 to 59 then UT Rio Grande Valley I know they visited that campus last year now uh, Rio Grande Valley uh, visited the Mullins Center here in Amherst That game they narrowly eked out 74 to 70. And then, during the week of Thanksgiving, or the weekend right after Thanksgiving, I should say, uh, the Brown University Turkey tip-off took place the 23rd, the 24th, and the 25th. They played Bucknell first. They lost by a pretty decent margin, 58-77. to Brown, they were able to, to win that game, 90-61. to And then, the day after that, they played Fairfield. And one fifty-nine to forty-nine. So those games all took place uh, at Providence. So that pretty much wraps up every game they've played so far this season. Like I said, five and two on a two-game win streak. They haven't lost at home yet. So I think that's something to look to look into. We have a game coming up tomorrow uh, at the Mullins Center. They will be playing North Dakota. It will be broadcast on Nessun. Um, so Eleven Sports will be picking up that game, and we will be there. So you're going to want to tune into this very radio station, ninety-one point one FM. WMUA Sports will be there. We're going to get. We're going to have the call. Uh, and really, I would expect them to. Take another win. I mean, you know they. I don't see they haven't lost at home so far. Uh, North Dakota. I'd have to look into their record, but I think they're very. They they also went to North Dakota last year. A lot of the teams that they did long road trips for last season, those teams are now coming to the Moans this year. So it's part of like the a home and home type sort of deal between athletic directors. Um, Yeah, but then essentially after that, they're going to visit Northeastern, then they'll play Incarnate Wood, Boston University, Siena, UMass Lowell, and Marist, and that will sort of finish off the non-conference games. So essentially, um, the A-10 games would start January 6th against St. Louis. And then that would run until March 2nd. And then we're looking at a-10 tournament coming, you know, falling immediately after that. So, so far, just because I'm curious, I'm going to look at what all the A-10 teams, where all the A-10 teams stand in terms of non-conference games, just to see where UMass sort of stacks up against, you know, future competition, competition a little bit down the road in terms of scheduling. So believe it or not, UMass is actually, UMass actually has the best record amongst all the A ten teams for non-conference games. They're five and two. Now, keep in mind each team schedules different opponents. Uh, You know, it's a very internal process. It's not like, you know, VCU is playing any of the teams we're playing. I mean, usually most teams try to play local for non-conference games, Um, so they could be playing like these team all these A10 teams could have very different non-conference schedules in terms of difficulty. but just I mean just looking at records, UMass technically does have the best one and then George Mason follows at four and two. VCU also has a four and two record. Um, Fornum clocks in at four and three. and then you have Davidson at three and three, Rhode Island at two and two. Duquesne uh, Dayton and Duquesne at two and three at 2 and 4 you have both St. Joseph's and St. Louis and then also St. Bonaventure so all the saint all the saint teams are going to clock in at 2 and 4 and then George Washington at 1 and 5 Richmond at 1 and 6 and LaSalle has yet to win a game at 0 oh and 5 so that's sort of where the A10 women stands right now so I mean if you want to sort of get excited about this up and coming women's basketball team that might be a proof right there. Um, just the fact that they're five; and, they're the only team in the A10 that has a five and two non-conference record. So that's about all the time we have here on the program today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed everything that we covered. Always send suggestions if you have to via iTunes, or you can tweet us, follow us on Twitter at unbeaten show, and yeah, just just. Stay tuned because we're going to have a lot more exciting things. This this program might sort of rebrand as a coach's show. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to try to essentially get Coach Verdi on the air every Friday afternoon with some players. So exciting stuff to come up. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been The Unbeaten Show WMUA, 91.1 FM.